a lot of the things that Noah was advising me to do with Dynamite Jobs are less sexy business models that can be implemented immediately. And in this case, I'm willing to let some bait troll behind me in the water because I'm focused on other things. That was Dan Andrews of the Tropical MBA podcast. One of my favorite podcasts out there. Definitely the most influential that I've listened to through my career working for myself online. This is The Doug Show, and my name is Doug Cunnington. This is a kind of an all-over-the-place sort of interview, and perhaps I did a little bit of a disservice by not getting Dan to tell us more like actionable, specific things, but instead we kind of well, it was a conversation between, you know, just two guys that were chatting more or less. But one of the big topics that I wanted to cover was Dynamite Jobs. And Dynamite Jobs is part of the platform that the Tropical MBA has. There's many different branches and legs of the business. But Noah Kagan had Dan on Noah's podcast back in September of 2019. And it was kind of a coaching session about like what to do with dynamite jobs and different approaches that that Dan and Ian Ian is Dan's business partner with uh, TMBA, so they really went in depth. And Noah asked tough questions, gave some hard um, hard hitting advice, and just really sort of dissected what they were doing with dynamite jobs. However, I had a couple not issues, but I was like, oh, that's an interesting take an interesting advice that Noah gave, I maybe would have advised something else. So we we dig into that quite a bit. We talk about how the coronavirus and COVID-19 has impacted, you know, online jobs, specifically dynamite jobs. So they have basically a job board over there with dynamite jobs. And there's a lot of, a lot of data that they have. And when we recorded it in April, of 2020, so just a couple weeks ago, there are a whole lot of people at home looking for freelance gigs. So kind of an interesting time. We also talk a little about the FIRE movement, financial independence, and just a bunch of other random stuff. Like I said, maybe I did a little bit of a disservice by being self-indulgent, just talking to Dan about whatever I wanted to talk about. But It was a fun conversation. Highly, highly recommend you check out the Tropical MBA podcast if you haven't listened to it before. Again, one of my favorites, and it's basically the only one that I have listened to since I started my journey in entrepreneurship back in 2013. I've listened to, I think, all of the episodes, and many of them more than one. So thanks a lot, Dan and Ian, for putting out such a great product out there, and I love the podcast. This podcast is brought to you in part by Ezoic, a software platform that helps website owners make more money from their websites. Ezoic uses machine learning, artificial intelligence, and the goal is to provide a better visitor experience, which helps you earn more money. And the AI optimizes the revenue on a per visitor basis. And I thought Ezoic was just a another display network, but it's a lot more than that. It's a little bit more of a end-to-end platform. You can use drag and drop placeholders to put your ads in the place where you want it to go versus my old method of trying to parse the code and add it into 
I don't, is it PHP? I'm not, I'm not even sure. I shouldn't have been touching it. It is much easier to sculpt your site and make sure it looks exactly how you want it to look. So the other thing I want to point out is they just rolled out their site speed accelerator and it helps your site load faster by doing all the best practices, optimizing images, lazy load, taking care of CSS, and just minimizing the amount of code that's sent over so your site loads faster. So check out the seven-day free trial for the site speed accelerator, and thanks a lot to Ezoic. I have a couple of technical notes that I want to let you know about before I send it to the interview. Number one, I goofed up in the biggest interview of my life with the audio levels for the first couple minutes. Dan rolled with it. I switched audio and we were good to go. So I take care of that pretty quickly. The other thing is I recorded video for this. So most of the time when I do an interview, it goes on YouTube and it goes on the podcast. So Dan and I talk about the beautiful TMBA Manor in Austin, Texas. He took this interview outside. The audio on his side is flawless. It's fantastic. If you want to actually see the background and stuff that we talk about, you can head over to YouTube, search for Doug Cunnington, and you'll be able to find the channel and the interview with Dan. Additionally, I want to plug the TMBA YouTube channel. They've been doing live streams during this COVID-19 lockdown period daily live streams during the week. So they're going live at 12 p.m. noon Eastern time. That is 10 a.m. Mountain time. And I'm usually in there like once or twice a week. So definitely check it out. It's kind of like comedians riffing on ideas. They go and they talk about ideas that they have. There's a handful of really awesome people from the DC, the Dynamite Circle, and some other, you know, randos, you know how YouTube is, but check out their live streams. They're very good, very entertaining. They have upped their live stream game and they're doing a great job out there. So definitely check them out. Without further ado, I'm going to send it to the interview with Dan Andrews. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here for the Doug Show. And I am honored to be chatting with my new friend, Dan Andrews. How are you today? Excellent, Doug. And I, I want to apologize in advance for my poor video setup here. Like, uh, I'm still getting used to this YouTube world. So apologies in advance for like my dark eyes or something. I, <laughs> you I don't know good. how to, to, to light things or how, how it all works. But uh, Well, you can't beat natural outdoor lighting. And you look like you're in, in a uh, beautiful place. Is that a fake background or is that real? <laughs> this is real. I'm on quarantine living in the backyard of my business partner, we quarantined together for fun. And lucky for me, he's into RVs and campers and all, has all kinds of fun toys. So I'm living better in, out here in quarantine than I would be if it were up to me. So I got really lucky. It's awesome out there. I mean, Austin is a great place. And I guess the, the worst part right now is it's probably hard to get some brisket and barbecue shipped so, out to your... Uh, unavailable. Okay, yeah. man. <laughs> so... It is a great honor to talk to you, Dan, because I have listened to your show, um, Tropical MBA, since I got started online in 2013. And I have dropped off a lot of the other podcasts that I started listening to, but I listened to all the shows and I went back all the way into the archive. So thanks a lot for for joining me. You've been a big influence. Yeah, man. I'm, that's uh, it's amazing to hear. I'm sure you're hearing stuff like that too. And and uh, I'm the same way as you in that um, it like, wasn't really my aim to 
start a podcast was I'm actually more interested in listening to them. And uh, there was a certain point when I was just like, ah, I got something like a little different to say or a little different perspective than everybody else. I might as well pick up the mic as well. But I started as a listener. I was like early days, 2007, listening to anybody talking about how to live this lifestyle. Um, and it was the same deal. It inspired me. And I con- so much of what we were able to do was because of those early little pirate radio guys being willing to like lay it out there for the rest of us. And so I appreciate what you're doing. I listen to your show. And so, you know, for me, it's, um, it's not like a tactic. It's, it's like a lifestyle. Like <laughs> I'm like into radio, man. I used to skip school and listen to like Howard Stern, um, in the mornings, uh, when I was growing up and something about when the podcast format came out and it's like, Oh, this isn't a job anymore. Like this is just a hustle or whatever. It really, uh, sucked me in. So yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I'm doing the podcast, even if it's just you and like some other dude listening to my mom, I'm doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and you guys started back in like 2009. So, I mean, really you guys have been in it for a long time. Yeah. And for anybody like thinking about this, oh man, like there's a gazillion podcasts or whatever. That's exactly how I felt in 2009 when we started our podcast. I was like, the world doesn't need another business podcast. Well, maybe it does. I mean, uh, maybe it does. And I, I was thinking, hey, in 2009, I was like really into beer, listening to beer podcasts at the time. And I was like, oh, there's too many beer podcasts. I shouldn't even try. And right. um, I wish I would have started back then. I mean, that, that was like the, the heyday. And it's the heyday now. And it'll keep being that way, I guess. So It's one of those things where it's, it's like a, it can be counterintuitive. On the internet, we all want to be unique and different. You walk into any market in the world and there's just like a bunch of wallets and belts and and jeans and stuff and you think to yourself like oh, i shouldn't start a jean business but it should be another part of your brain that's like man people really like these jeans <laughs> you know so just because there's a lot of podcasts um that that potentially is a really good sign for you and the niches you're looking at oh yeah and before we get into sort of the, the meat of the episode here you like road trips right big time okay so do you have <laughs> any like specific memorable ones or like big ones that are coming up soon that you're just really pumped about? Well, this is a new thing because I'm kind of clipped my wings, Doug. I mean, a lot of my road trips haven't have been on bicycles and have been planning epic cycling adventures in the Pyrenees. In fact, that's sort of, um, in terms of road tripping, I'd say it's a, like a serious four day bicycle excursion in the Pyrenees between France and Spain, which I think is, is gotta be by anybody's standard, one of the just finest places to ride a road bike in the whole, whole world. And so this year I won't have those roads. And so, uh, I'm thinking about building a, or I'm working on building a, a van. I've been a van owner for many, many years, but I want to sort of upgrade and give me an opportunity to see a lot of places that I haven't seen in, in North America in part because I've been so plain and international focused. So, um, head on out to Colorado and, and, and spend some time there, head up to the Pacific Northwest, uh, Vermont, hopefully Quebec, if we can cross borders here soon. There's a lot of places on my list that have been on the back burner. Um, I'm look, really looking forward to that. That's sort of my, um, I guess one of the personal things that's keeping me motivated and, and during downtimes during the quarantine is thinking about, man, how, how exciting is it to explore this amazing continent that we've been blessed to have uh, been born on? Indeed. And my wife and I, we didn't do as much uh, international travel because we like to travel with our dog. So we mm-hmm. actually 
did tons of road trips. I've been to all 50 states. My wife has too. And um, yeah, there's, there's so much to see here in North America. Can I share something with you? Um, when I first, I like grew up in a shitty place. Not a shitty place, but not that great of a place. Not a place for a young guy who wants to do something. So I moved to California. And I, there was a bunch of other young people that want to do stuff in California. Fast forward a couple of years, all those California people are moving to Texas. Now I moved to Texas, and now all these Texas people are moving to Colorado. What the heck is happening in Colorado? Did you guys move there for lifestyle reasons, or was it chosen for you? I think it's probably the weed. Um, you know, you can just go to a store. <laughs> it is an essential business right now, just like a liquor store or a gun shop, which is all true, yeah. by the way. But my wife got a job um, in the Boulder area. So really good offer, good opportunity. So we moved from Bozeman, but we're originally from the Atlanta area. So we had sort of remote jobs and some flexibility. So we just decided, hey, you know what? We're going to get out of the Southeast and head to the the mountains. So we ended up moving to Bozeman, Montana, which um, pretty small town. Have you been there? No. It's pretty pretty cool, and I actually bumped into um, someone who was a guest on your show, Andrew Udarian. No way. So I had a couple of beers with what him. What a cool guy. So, yeah, yeah, great dude. And yeah, we just chatted about business, and um, yes, very small world. That's so, crazy. It is. And, and that's, the, that's another takeaway, if people are looking for their notepads here, is like, actually, when you get out there and start meeting people, making it work... Um, it can be a pretty small world and that can be a great thing if you're looking to join the ranks. It's not some amorphous group of people. Like we, like you said, we all know each other like one, two, three degrees of separation. And so if, if you can do, you know, make friends with a few of us, then it's not that hard to figure out like who's for real and like, who's just putting up BS on the internet, trying to, trying to make a quick buck or whatever. And I think like the, the longevity, like, really makes a difference too. Cause I was around for a little while, like I said, in 2013, I was kind of dabbling, but I didn't really know what I was doing for a couple of years. And, um, but I'm still around now, hopefully indicating that I kind of know what I'm doing a little bit, but certainly. so we sort of jumped right in and a lot of people may not know who you are, Dan. So what do you do? What's your deal? Tell us a little about the podcast. Yeah. I mean, basically I sort of read a bunch of articles around the last, uh, uh, what would you call it? Financial downturn. Um, that it was in part the financial downturn, but it was in part just like working a job that was a good job. But, uh, I just started to question sort of that worldview and it was a very entrepreneurial job. So I got turned on to this whole community and, uh, we were also manufacturing in China. So we were like a manufacturing custom services company making furniture mostly. And it, it just kind of opened my eyes to like not only work from home stuff, like these developers I was hiring, but also just like kind of hyper-globalizing a business. It doesn't need to exist under one roof. And of course, the other side of my brain was like, well, that's cool because now you could, you could travel, you could have fun, all this stuff. So we ended up starting a product business um, in part to explore these ideas, but also in, as a response to this services business model that we didn't enjoy working for. We didn't enjoy being a slave to our clients. Basically, we started chronically in that journey on Tropical MBA. And eventually, Tropical MBA itself, the podcast, has turned into a business with a variety of different elements to it. But that's really the story. It's just a story of like two 
two kids who were disappointed with their careers and got a sniff of this thing called entrepreneurship that promised um, sort of wealth on your own terms. And because we weren't guys that were like, let's get rich and all that. It was more like, uh, you know, this life is a little disappointing. Um, this corporate life is a little disappointing. Might we have a life where we have more sort of autonomy and pride in what we do and flexibility? And and the TMBA is really just a living document of that lifestyle. And, and now it's involved so many people um, that we know mutually, just seeing what their journeys are all about as well. And what's the team look like these days? Uh, today, there's I want to say there's about five of us full-time. A couple part-timers, and we have a few contractors. Um, and then the really cool part, which is going to be a little bit of a bummer this year, is we have a, a really amazing long-term seasonal staff that comes in for our events, that we host events for our listeners. And uh, I always have this like fantasy, you know, because we used to have a bigger business. We used to have over 15 employees plus, you know, our podcast stuff. And uh, I remember there's this like boardroom at one of our conferences conferences and there's like, you know, 15 people in there and the boardroom's buzzing and everybody's like hosting the event and so exciting. I think, man, it would be kind of cool to run a business like this. But uh, day to day for me, it's it's five of us. It's Zoom calls. It's a a tight group. Um, We all are living all around the world and working from home. Very cool. And how do you and Ian sort of divide up the roles? Well, between me and Ian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you guys handle that? <laughs> this is a sensitive topic um, because you know, basically what we do is we do everything together, which is sort of interesting. And then uh, it used to be totally different where I did podcast and he did the old business. And, and since we sold that other business, we exited in 2011 I, or 2015. I wrote a book about it um, called Before the Exit, which I think is a really good book. It's not just a, it's short. It's cheap. I'll send it to you for free if you email me, dan at tropicalmba.com. It's basically about thought experiments you can do at any stage of a business that kind of like, when you sell a business, you're forced to ask these like existential questions um, about like what amount of money that meant to you and what were you doing that whole time? And was I think it's very strange to think about that 50% of people who sell exit a business are miserable about it. And so anyway, I wrote this sort of like post post log to the whole thing. Um, and, uh, since that time, Ian and I have sort of converged and tried to find ways to collaborate more and more. Um, but it's sort of been interesting. Like we do a lot of our team calls together. I almost think we're kind of like a husband wife team, you know, like all of our staff members probably know like, well, if you want to do this kind of thing, you, you better call mom. And if you want to do this kind of thing, you better call dad, you know, <laughs> cause we have our tendencies. Um, Ian does all the financial stuff. And, uh, I do most of like the sort of marketing stuff as well. And a lot of the writing, it seems like a pretty good codependent, codependent relationship, but you guys are managing it well, it seems. Yeah, (laughs) we definitely got our problems. (laughs) So one of the branches of the business is dynamite jobs and it's kind of a, like a job board marketplace kind of thing. Can you define it a little bit better? Yeah, I would say Dynamite Jobs is a job board for remote jobs that we think are really cool. Awesome. And and that that definition changes as the industries change, but an example of something that we don't think is all that cool is say like a big corporate sales job that offers you to work from home every other week or a few days a week like typically when we started this site in 2007 
um, a lot of work from home opportunities were either scams or kind of like corporate sometimes work from home stuff or commission sales jobs. Um, and there was a well-established world of technical remote jobs. Cause of course, if you can build up a web app, you know, those people have been on the road for a long time, but there's this new generation of knowledge workers that, are making their living online by being administrative staff, by being marketing staff, by being operation customer support. And they focus on our community. And there was really no home for them. Um, aside from there's a good site called We Work Remotely, but still they have a pretty big, broad audience. And we thought, man, our community is so cool. These jobs are so amazing. It's not quite legible to the broader world yet, but we should, we should pull together a website that puts all the best jobs in this industry, like the bootstrap remote internet business industry in one place. And that's basically what Dynamite Jobs is. In September of 2019, you were on Noah Kagan's podcast and it was kind of like a coaching session and he was asking tough questions, you know, why, why, why? And I love Noah and his approach in general most of the time, but as he was going through and as you guys were chatting about like where to go with Dynamite Jobs, I was like, like, Dan and Ian, like they know how to make money. Like they're not beginners. So part of it, I was like, is Noah like asking kind of the wrong questions, but am I off base with that? I mean, one specific example, he was like, how can you make 10 K more per month with your existing business? And you were like, sell sponsorships. I could do that (laughs) immediately. But I got the feeling that you wanted dynamite jobs to be a bigger thing, not, Hey, how can we squeeze 10 K a month out of our existing audience and fan base and that sort of thing. So am I off base or no, what what was that? What was that like? Well, first off, your opinions are just as valuable as anybody else's. So I think it would be interesting and you should, I should task you with telling, giving me some free advice on this show. I'd be very curious to hear what you would do if you're the founder of dynamite jobs. In Noah's case, I think I felt there's a, I think his advice is really good, probably for me and even uh, certainly for somebody who, if Dynamite Jobs was their only business. So it's this idea of, you know, keep the lights on tomorrow with your customer's cash flow. And you're, that way you're always tapped into this vein of like what's valuable in the world. I, you know, we face this enormous risk that we could spend all this money posting all these jobs online for the next five years. And then at the end of the day, nobody really cares. You know, nobody really gave or gave us any money for it or some other job board just does such a better job and it's game over, you know? And, you know, we are exposing ourselves to that risk by not taking Noah's advice, which is um, figure out a way to turn it into a solid business tomorrow, for sure. Well, and with that said, I mean, you guys had an exit, you have other business areas, so you don't have to make money on dynamite jobs in the short term. So at this point in time, you know, we're recording in early April of 2020. The world has changed a little bit, which we'll get into in a second. But right now, like, what's the vision for dynamite jobs? Dynamite jobs is like some people go out and buy a hot tub or a cool car or a flight to Paris. We went out and bought dynamite jobs. Of course, we saved a little money because we didn't buy the dot com. But um, <clears throat> we do invest a, a, a good deal of money every month in going out and harvesting these great jobs. If you email us, we help people get connected with our community. We, help, we just feel like it's a, like a totally 
I go on Facebook and I see people that I knew a world away writing these weird emotional posts and then they like put this big price coaching thing at the end of it. And that's cool. Like that's one way you can like run a business. But, um, for us, it's like, it's this opportunity to do something that we really believe in. And like, if I feel if you really want to grow your business, you get connected with one of our candidates at dynamite jobs. Now, five years from now, I might not be, I might not be able to figure out a way to make a trade off that makes us profit. But in the meantime, there's no downside for us so long as our business is healthy because it's really fun and it, we feel like it's a legitimate value in the world. I know, like, man, I'm talking like a hippie here, dog. I, I don't even... But uh, it's it's kind of that. It, you're right. Like, we do have a profitable business, so that business can have... Like, some businesses start a charity, for example. Um, but we thought, man, these jobs are like gold. They're gold, you know? And I'll tell you this. Um, you can make an immediate business case that that site is really popular relative to our other brands because it has something that the world values more than like me and my business partner talking on a podcast, for example. So it's another platform for us to grow an audience or potentially uh, put new products in front of them. As an example, right now, um, college alternatives or candidate training would be an immediately viable business at dynamitejobs.com. I mean, we have... Um, I want to say, I don't know the exact number, but I think it's like almost 7,000 like deep profiles, like not just like resume and name and email, but like full survey responses. So I got 7,000 like basically prospects, right? The problem is if, if I wanted to like retool my whole staff or my next four weeks of my life and go build a product for those folks, um, that's, that's an opportunity. And that's like the kind of optionality that I think being an entrepreneur opens up to you. And like you said at the top, um, I, I'm really interested in doing different things, like not competing with colleges right now. And that's okay. Like it's a lifestyle business. I'm not optimizing for investors or anything like that. Exactly. And I think that, you know, the other part that you have the luxury of is, you know, you're building this platform, you have all the, this data and maybe you don't know what to do with it for at first, but you can pivot to the right area, which you guys have done, you know, multiple times and, you know, the different endeavors that you've been in. So just because you have this plan right now, like maybe you'll figure out what to do with it later. It's true. And, and, you know, you got to figure out like which, which projects you want to bench press, you know, like just really push them over the edge. Cause I don't know, you're, you're in this business too. I've probably bought a hundred domains that had like some kind of content out or some kind of idea or pitch and you just can't, focus on all of them, but it's, it's not a bad idea to just put them out there and see what happens. I mean, this, we put out this job board and our secret competitive edge, which was that we had this community of 1400 entrepreneurs that had the sexiest, coolest jobs in the world. For me, for me, 10 years ago, I would have died to work for these companies. I would have died to work for guys like you, you know, like what a great career choice. We put them out to the world and the world was like, hell yeah. And they just subscribed like crazy. Um, that's basically what we wanted to do. You know, I mean, beyond that, I'm not so sure I want to figure out a way to make $10,000 a month by building myself another job or whatever. Like you said, I think if you give it time, let it breathe, like things might present themselves or it might become one of those 99 domains that um, just didn't work out like most of them don't. Yep. And I think, you know, I'll just beat up Noah one more time since he's not Let's here. Let's do that. Yeah. Cause he's a real jerk. <laughs> what a sweet guy. I'll tell you what. <laughs> so in the other, the other risks. So right now, um, is dynamite jobs like profitable or it's just, 
you know, no. Okay. No, we're, we're burning cash on it. Okay. For sure. And you know, Noah was sort of beating you guys up on that. But again, like I said, we'll beat up Noah. If you guys turned it around and you were making 10 K a month or, or maybe, you know, you, you boosted it and you're making 20 K a month, but it wasn't like quite fitting your vision. Like you said, you don't want to create another job for yourself. Who wants to do that? And you're sort of, you know, golden handcuffs, right? Like not that you needed the money coming from that business uh, line over there, but if you made it profitable, you sure would hate to pull the plug on it. You're like, ah, oh, well, we're making money. It's kind of dumb to not do it. So at least you have flexibility um, at this point. So, well, well, you you do this with affiliate sites. So, like, typically, the more people or leads or customers you need to make a business profitable, the longer your run up is going to be, and typically, the more distributed amongst customers your profits are, the more sexy that business model is. So it's really sexy to have a popular podcast and like sell $40,000 worth a month of advertisers because like a million people listen to it or whatever. Like that's super sexy. But if I went to anybody and said, okay, we'll build a podcast with a million listeners, that project could take five or 10 years. Whereas if I said, you know, build a podcast about um, like implementing HubSpot in your business for car dealerships. And you have like 500 listeners, but five of them become $10,000 a month clients. That's also a completely legitimate way to grow a business. And I think if someone held a gun to my head and said, I want you to do like HubSpot implementation services business and like go get it done in five weeks, I think I could, you know, a bunch of cups of coffee and like brush off, uh, the ultimate sales machine and, and figure out my pitch. And I think I could make that work, but it's a less sexy business model. And so a lot of the things that Noah was advising me to do with dynamite jobs are less sexy business models that can be implemented immediately. And in this case, I'm willing to let some bait troll behind me in the water because I'm focused on other things. So what are the sort of things that, what might you do with dynamite jobs if, if it were in your portfolio? Hmm. At this point in time, is there sort of an equal demand for the uh, the companies that are hiring and the people that want to get hired? Well, since the virus showed up, basically there's been a lot of hiring freezes except for content marketing. Just great. People have a high demand. Content companies are excited right now. Um, and the candidates have gone up um, the traffic from candidate side is almost like a hundred percent month over month. Like we have tons of interest in candidates and less jobs. So it's an unequal marketplace. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I'm not, I'm not sure what I would do honestly. Cause I sort of like more hands off sort of things and uh, I'm totally. not a hundred percent sure what to, I mean, you guys had have both sides. I know it sounds like there's going to be a lot more freelancers in this new world we're living in, but um, yeah, I'm not really sure what to do uh, other than like taking Noah's ideas. Well, uh, how can you make 10 K a month? <laughs> and yeah. I'll just echo the stuff that I was just bashing a second ago. But, but, but you know what the cool thing is, is like, I'm agree with you. I don't want to, I've already done the fun bit and I get to enjoy this asset that does this thing that I truly value, which is, you know, our, our tropes on our podcast is always like build a team build a team. Like you're going to work less. You're going to have more fun. If you build a team, you're going to have an asset on your hands. And, uh, we just believe in it. Now let's say, 
um, you have a business relevant to um, like people who are job seekers right now. You could have a resume review company. You could have a, like a Tommy... Tommy Griffiths has a uh, company called ClickMinded where he teaches people SEO training for 500 bucks or a thousand bucks. Man, you pay Tommy Griffith a thousand bucks to learn SEO and you understand all that stuff. You can then go get yourself a $3,000 a month job. And, and so now all of a sudden you own that company. You know, I have this job board with over 20,000 email subscribers and I just say, Hey, how about you pay me like 1500 bucks a month? pull together a little package for you. You'll be the top mention in our newsletter every week. You'll have a little banner on the side. And when people want enhanced um, recruitment services or whatever, they're going to like go right to Doug's office instead of to my office. That's the simple kind of thing. Now all of a sudden I got a passive income stream and uh, that's the kind of thing I'd be looking for. Yep. I guess you, you solved the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, do that and you're in good shape there. Sorry. I'm up. I can't hear you. Uh, it's all right. It's all right. I'm not very professional, man. I'm not either. This is perfect. So, okay. And I'm not sure if I like followed the thread exactly. And we're, we're going to migrate over to dynamite deals a little bit. And it sounded like maybe after you, you talked to Noah that you were like, Hey, we, we should do the, this deal thing. And then you sort of spread yourself again. Now, I guess that maybe was already in place, but um, I'm not sure. It seems like it was a, you know, it's, it, it is a successful other branch of your business. I know some of our mutual friends over at Content Refined, one of the first yeah. deals out there. And, um, yeah. So how's Dynamite Deals going? Yeah. Me and, me and Maddie, the founder of content, one of the co-founders of Content Refined, we're gossiping about you behind your back, <laughs> talking about our mutual love with, of Doug. And, uh, that was just a surprising connection, but actually not so surprising, like you mentioned. Um, well, so I got really inspired by the call with Noah because it, it clarified what I was doing and dynamite jobs was, was my idea and, or I, I took an ownership of that idea, right? I, I might not have been my idea, but I felt like, man, this is my thing now. I'm thinking about it. And I got, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, you get pressure from every direction. Like, oh, we should be making a little bit more money and everybody has their ideas. And sometimes you just have to assert your vision. Like, man, I can't convince everybody of what I'm seeing right now, but I always felt like we were wasting our time trying to monetize a job site platform. We should be focused on building the platform. And, that is going to put us in a position. I had all kinds of rationale for it in my mind in terms of what I could flip the site for on a marketplace based on the amount of money I spent for each lead, et cetera, et cetera. But my vision was, let's stop wasting our time when the real opportunity is to build a marketplace here. So when I talked to Noah and he starts telling me this other strategy, which is completely legitimate of, you know, I call it a 10 true clients business model or a hundred true customers or a thousand true fans, you work it up and, and you guys are working on affiliate sites. So you're talking about like a hundred thousand true visitors or whatever, you know, you think about how much you got to charge everybody to make a living. And when he told me that I was basically like, you know what? F that, like, I'm not doing that. And I was like, you guys want me to make $10,000 a month. We got a basic cash flow that already happens in our business every single month. That's worth more than that. It's called dynamite deals. Our members in our private forum if they're willing to go through a review process, we will allow them to promote an amazing deal in our forum. Otherwise, there's no self-promotion. So I thought, man, we could really help these folks create these public deals. If they're public, they're going to get more attention. And that was kind of like, it was a little bit of one of those, like, uh, I felt challenged, 
by Noah. Like, man, I know how to make a $10,000 a month business. I can do it, but I would never choose this business to do it with. And so, yeah, I felt challenged. And so a couple weeks later, we launched Dynamite Deals. And within our first few months, we did $100,000 in sales. So now Dynamite Deals really has to change in this environment because people have pulled back their marketing spend. So our focus now is just to get rid of the money element um, for the time being and focus on just the best deals like that. Because basically a lot of our deals were around like high level marketing services, which, you know, they're going to see a big hit in the short term. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I think that's another luxury of having a profitable business is like you can do things that are cool, like pull together deals and you don't have to make a money on every single one. You know, the most important thing for me would be like a brand building thing, which is like, you know, I always tell the team, like, we've never put out a deal that would compromise people thinking that we don't put out great deals. Like that's the whole, it doesn't matter how much money we make. It matters how good of a deal it is. Like that's, what's going to grow a deals company. So yeah, that's the idea with dynamite deals. A lot of these, by the way, have been just born out of problems. Like, you know, like people were coming to our events and trying to hire people and they were trying to use the forum to hire people. So we broke off a job board, same deal with the deals. Everybody wants to promote themselves. Of course. Um, well, you create a productive way that's like a win-win for people to promote themselves. One cool thing with uh, Dynamite Deals is, and, and you guys mention it as you're pitching the deals, it's like a plug-and-play thing that you could buy to improve your business right away. So it's a, it's a very clear like value proposition. Like you like you mentioned, these are great deals. Like it's cheaper. You know, it's a properly vetted company. And if I remember right, you guys wanted to bring 20 deals in 2020. Is that right? That's right. And obviously with COVID-19, things are shifting. So how are you guys trying to pivot and navigate? You said you're trying to remove the the money element and just bring good deals. So what's the approach for the rest of the year? Man, we just stomped the brakes. I mean, a lot of the it's tough because like a lot of the deals we were negotiating with these like high level service companies with that, you know, it, it's tough to like maintain a margin and pull together a deal and they're multi-thousand dollar projects and stuff. And so now we're seeing a lot of more motivated companies that want to create deals with us. Um, and we're also just trying to figure out, it's just hard to pull together these deals. I think that that's the bottom line because what Noah's company does with deals, for example, is he sells software to discount. And it's really relatively simple because an elegant, I'd say, because it's just like, here's a, you know, a million potential buyers, just slash your prices and you get the list and then we get the great deal. Whereas dynamite deals is much more about vetting the company, the discovery of the service. Um, it really happened like, we used to sit around, I mean, we could probably do this for like live on the podcast where between my and your skill sets and resources, we could probably cook up like a kind of a cutting edge marketing deal that if we only sold it to 10 companies, but it was like five grand a pop, it would be really super valuable. And it's just kind of a way to like kind of get a little bump in your business and move things along. And the bottom line is those deals are really tough to cut. And that's kind of what we struggle with. And that's why we set what I felt like was an achievable goal of 20 Um, but basically now I think we're faced with the reality that we're not going to make any money off of those deals for the next six months. And so what should they look like? And 
the bottom line is I think we're doing more facilitation within the forum right now. Um, and then we'll see about promotion to the public. Very good. Yeah. It's, it sounds like a tough, like pivot. Everyone's sort of like pulling back to wait and see the secondary impacts of what's going on. Um, yeah, it's kind of obviously very crazy. I mean, dynamite deals is like these productized services companies are really focused on, you know, total bootstrappers running their thing from their laptop who have a lot more free cash flow than time. And like that equation has changed for a lot of people in the last month. And so what we're seeing on our job board is like, well, instead of paying $3,500 a month to a content marketing agency or to the cool new service that I think is going to pay off one day, people are saying, you know what, I'll go out and get a part-time content writer um, at an all-time low price. And that's actually the dynamite deal. The dynamite deal is hiring right now. (laughs) And so uh, I think that I, and, 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 you know, just internally, I took my deals guy and I put him on other stuff because <laughs> I said, man, this is, we got to like, uh, we got to change what we're doing here. You know, we're not going to throw events this year. We're not. So that's also just the internal thing is my, my deal guys is doing other stuff. So. Gotcha. And I think here's a business idea for people that want to start a services business, which I don't want to start a services business. You got to deal with clients and all that stuff, but I have a feeling there's probably a lot of new freelancers out there. You're going to be able to hire content writers. I would start a content company, get a couple PMs in place and have that machine running. So I think you guys, 100%. did you guys have a guest a couple months ago that started a content company built to sell? Yeah. Uh, look up contentpros.io or Tommy okay. Joyner on the Tropical MBA pod and two episodes, one where he described exactly how to build that company in a way that is often counterintuitive, which I really appreciated. And then, yeah, he showed up a few months later saying he sold it. So what a boss. I love that. And it, there's just going to be a ton of people like looking for freelance gigs where they can work from home or make a little money on the side or something like that. So I think there's a big opportunity because I know folks are still wanting to publish content. So if you can make it easier for them, you'll be in good Yeah, shape. we got a, dem- I, I totally agree with you. It's a wonderful idea. And let's talk about the DC a little bit. That's dynamite circle. And tell us about the name first. Yeah. Uh, some t- maybe unfortunate. I don't know. Uh, I got like a little DC hat on the DC started in uh, 2011. Um, it was basically a mastermind, an in-person mastermind for legitimate, cool, entre- legitimate entrepreneurs. That was the idea of like, there's, a, I mean, it still is today. I'm sure you guys are in the affiliate marketing space. So you, you understand that you go out on the web and you, you see a lot of like scam, like straight up outright scams to people doing unsavory things to people doing kind of like gray area, unsavory things. Like a lot of people that just, um, they're a self-licking ice cream cone. They, they don't do what they say. They, all that kind of stuff. And we just thought when we started meeting people in real life, we realized that what's on the internet is only like 1% of reality, you know, like one, like 2% of DC members have a personal blog where they talk about how they make money. The other 98% just make money. And so the real valuable thing is to get in person and to meet these people. And that's really what the mission of the dynamite circle was always about. Um, we just said, Hey, anybody who listens to our podcast, we're going to host a meetup and it's going to be in the middle of nowhere. 
And so if you show up, you know, you're going to be legit. And it was really like you had to take a ferry and a plane and get a visa and all this kind of stuff. And it was like on a Thursday, like nobody with a job is coming to this thing. And uh, there was 19 people that showed up back in 2011. And we said, man, we got to hang out in a virtual forum now that we all know each other. We want to share tips and stuff. And that just kept going. The actual name itself, uh, I owned a publishing company at the time called Dynamite Publishing. And now it's called Dynamite Ventures. And uh, we were sitting in a circle on a resort patio. And so there you go. There's another unfortunate domain name purchase. <laughs> Dynamites. <laughs> That's awesome. And you, you mentioned it's for like real entrepreneurs. And, and I think at one point you, it was a little more open, but there's some like joining requirements these days, right? Uh, sorry, I, I'm, I'm on a public street here. Um, <laughs> Uh, it never was open. I we, we've always reviewed every single application. We've made exceptions for people that we think are cool and scrappy. Like sometimes people try to sneak in. This happened like a handful of times. I can remember where people like try to sneak in in a really clever way. Cause they like met somebody at an event and they were like someone's younger brother or something like that. And it's like, okay, you're cause it's like the money thing works like, 85% of the time, like you must have a business that creates this amount of revenue. But, but that's not the only, that's not the criteria. That's the best thing we found, Doug. But that's not really what it's all about because when you get into that like DC tribe and you show up at the events and it's like people are on the same wavelength, the, the guys who've exited an $8 million business love hanging out with the scrappy services woman who built a $50,000 a year thing or her first year or whatever. Like, cause there's so much, it's, it's about a culture more than a level. Um, but one of the things we have seen over the years is like the overall level of income for members as they've gotten older and stuck with their businesses, um, has gone up for sure. Very cool. And funny thing, I mean, I've, been a fan of the show for a very long time. And I, I never felt like I was the right fit for the DC. And then I'm not sure why. And then, <laughs> then I started imposter syndrome, something like that. I don't know. And then I started having like a lot of my students and people that I, I know in the DC and they're like, Oh yeah, man, you, you actually got to mention one of the like DC BKK or something like that. And I was like, Oh really? That is insane. So maybe I'll join. I'll put in an application, <laughs> make well, it official. You know, it's one of these things. Like I think it makes sense for your friends to rope you in. It's like why don't we? We don't sell it. It's not like a thing that we do because that's really the value. It's like we don't do things for our members in there. We are facilitators. We try to host the events that we would want to go to, um, and we try to keep it like really authentic and to a way. Like I've had a handfuls of people bomb into our events and say, "Why don't you videotape these and put them up on the web?" And I was like, "Like, no, no, you don't get it. Like, this is not. That's not who we are. Like, we're here to like build friendships that like last over years. And and so that's typically how people get involved in the community is they bring a trusted friend to one of our events and say you have to meet these people. There's just a, they're just different. They're on a different wavelength than here. And, uh, that's, that's why I enjoy doing the business and I keep it punk rock that way because, um, I want to enjoy doing it, you know? And I, I think with communities, it's like, they're never, it's not going to be like this big, you know, uh, I don't know. It's not meant to be some big business, you know, it's, it's meant to be something that's like a really fun thing for the people involved. And that's sort of how we run it. 
Very cool. And I think, I think the events, cause I've heard so much about them. And again, we have several mutual friends and I'm like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta make it out to one of these. So I'm sorry you had to cancel, uh, your one in Austin, which would have been yeah. what in the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah. It would have been last weekend. Damn. That was a bummer. And do you have any, are, are you guys just waiting to see like how to reschedule or kind of what you're going to try to do? I mean, it's weird, man. I run an events business. We have 14 events this year. Um, it's, it's not looking good. I mean, I think we just might have to pack it in for the foreseeable future here. Um, we've already been doing like online meetups and zoom calls with our members and, just trying to replace like what that all meant to us. You know, so many of us planned out, you know, like, Oh, you know, me and my wife are thinking about going to Europe this summer. And now I'll, I'll go to like two DC events in, in Europe and, you know, people plan their travels around it. And now nobody has any travel plans. So I really don't know. Man. Yeah. Sorry to hear it. I know you guys will bounce back and do whatever you got to do. So as we're winding down, I want to point out that you guys have been doing a lot of live streams. You've joined the YouTube world. Um, yeah, yeah. What, I need your advice on that. <laughs> yeah, what what, uh, what brought you to it? You guys just had some time, and how's it been going? Um, I don't know. I mean, I never really wanted to put my face on. I said a face for radio. You know, the idea of like performing for people. There's something so intimate about radio. Whereas you see it in, even in YouTube comments that they can get nastier because, um, you know, people, they judge you. It's like, dance for me, monkey, you know, like, whereas with, you're really listening to somebody on a podcast. But um, even me, I got uglier because I was trying to talk every day and I got mad about this article. And so, you know, we were discussing online, like, I just wasn't a real jerk on the live stream the other day. And. and something about like being videotaped, you almost feel like you got to dance a little and you see people do like outrage stuff on, on TV. And so I just kind of like lost my sense of, and I, and you feel vulnerable when you put yourself out there on video every day. Like, but also it's, it's, it's good because you get the feedback and you can improve. So I don't really know. I mean, Ian and I always had this dream. I remember, um, <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember chicken or egg, but, um, I, th- I remember just going on and on and on in 2010 about whoever is the first person to start a daily podcast for this community is going to crush it. And then like one year later, John Lee Dumas launched his podcast. Um, and we just always had this in our mind. Like we'd always wanted to do a daily talk radio show because our heroes always did that. The Dave Ramsey's of the world, the Howard Stern's of the world. Those are the people who got us into radio and just kind of being locked down at his place. It just felt like an opportunity to just take a little stab at it. That's awesome. Yeah. I think for fun. I mean, I think you look fine, Dan, you don't have to be be shy. Um, (laughs) you look great. So it's, um, yeah, YouTube's a funny beast because you know, you have the anonymous nature in many ways. So you get some weird comments sometimes people are just, they're just rude. So I've, (laughs) I happened to be watching live in that particular live stream that you're talking about. And I was just like, man, this this guy's fired up. What's going on? (laughs) I was like, calm down, buddy. Um, but, but you, you did, you, you made some interesting points. I'll point people in the direction of that, um, you know, topic. And it it was about, can, can we talk about it? Is that cool? 
Sure. Yeah. yeah. So it was about the um, the fire community, the um, financial independence, retire early. Which I'm I'm actually I live in Longmont, so I'm friends with some of the folks that you were talking about. So I have to defend them here. No, I'm just kidding. But they, um, it, it was interesting because I think you were sort of presenting it as like a binary thing, but really there's more of a, a blend and. I think somewhere in the middle is kind of what I ended up doing where, and I mean, how, how long were you in a corporate kind of job? Um, four years. Okay. So I, f- I feel like part of that is valuable, even though I hated my 10 years in a management consulting. No, totally. Gig. Incredibly valuable. But you know, you, you learn on someone else's dime and then once you realize you hate it, then you can do something else and you can act. This is what happened to my wife and I, we accidentally were saving a lot of money and mm-hmm. then, Anyway, we won't go revisit all of the topics, but yeah, we lost a lot of money in the last couple months, but it's okay because we're, we're still doing other stuff and everything's fine. But, um, going back to the YouTube portion, I, I do love the instant feedback. You got a handful of people showing up and then, I mean, you guys obviously can talk endlessly, so you don't have to worry about, yeah, no problems, um, <laughs> filling the time. And I imagine it's, it's probably pretty fun. So are you getting that sort of daily like radio show vibe that you guys kind of wanted? Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think the quality is there. You know, it's interesting to see like when we do a weekly podcast, get a chance to, I mean, like you said about this fire argument, I mean, uh, that's the sort of thing I would think about for a week and I would write down all my arguments and I it would have processed all, all that stuff that I processed in public, which was essentially, I should have just been very specific. I was really disappointed that Mr. Money Mustache, who's one of the more famous people in the fire movement, um, like I felt like arrogantly doubled down with, with sort of very spiritual religious arguments about this idea that you know, 100% of your money should go back into the market, especially now. And uh, I feel like that's an existential risk to people that want to retire early. And that was very disappointing to see that. Um, And I was really mad. And so I was kind of like just being all the things I was critiquing. The irony is I became all those things. It's like in any bad argument. And then I publicized it. So, um you know, it's it's yeah. something that on the podcast it would have just been cut out because I would have said, "Oh, I'm not proud of that. Like, that's not good thinking. It's not useful to people." But because I'm on this live stream, it's just like we're all just kind of hanging out there, and I'm not thinking quite in those terms. I'm just sort of being a different version of myself. Right on. Well, and I think both of you and I, I left a comment on on the video. Um, basically, I think both you and Pete, Mr. Money Mustache, like you have a stance that you believe in and that's perfect. It helps your audience like self-select. Some people like uh, my wife, for example, she doesn't want to start a business. She's not an entrepreneur. She feels much more comfortable in a more um, passive activity. So investing is is better for her and she doesn't want to start a business. So I know, I know, I like starting businesses and I love like the entrepreneurship aspect of it. And I actually went back to a 2017 article that you wrote about the fire community. And like, we all want freedom with our time, but you know, index funds versus or real estate versus like starting a business. And well, TMBA is about starting well, businesses. I, 
So I, I can clarify specifically, like I love the fire movement. Like that's why I know so much about it. I remember Ian and I were rejoicing when Mr. Money Mustache started his blog because we're like, finally somebody gets it here. Like, and he does get it. I totally agree with almost everything he's doing. Um, the, the, the things I would say, like specifically to someone like your wife, like, I don't think she should become an entrepreneur. That's not my stance at all. Like, I think it's totally cool not to, I, I don't think the idea though, that because someone doesn't, um, be, I think it's a not completely wise to say, well, because I don't care about wealth generation, I'm just going to completely outsource it to somebody else. That's all. I think that that's just risky and this is an existential risk that it would take me more time. I, I don't want to go into like the details of why I think that. And um, there's one other thing that gets me like emotionally riled about fire, but I think that that makes sense. It's like a sibling, you know what I mean? Like I'm totally fire myself. Like I want to retire early. I want financial independence. I want to be frugal, love all that stuff. It's just like, there was a couple issues that, um, this idea that like our, our vehicle sh- should be so com- dependent on the American consumer economy and the U S dollar, um, I think is risky for our generation. And I don't want people to like risk their whole careers on one idea. That's all. Indeed. Yep. And I think we, we ended up agreeing, even though during the live stream, I was like, damn, Come on, man. What are you talking about? Yeah, but no, yeah I was like, I actually, I, I agree with all this. Sometimes I'm going to talk noise, man. I let you down. It happens. It's very, <laughs> it's very good. Well, and like, like we're saying, the live streams are tough. And I mean, you, you actually did pretty good. Although, I mean, how many have you done so far? Like, uh, I don't know, 10 or 10. 11 or so. Cause every now and then on a live stream, there's some troll well, out what have there. You learned? <laughs> what, have, what have you learned from? I've watched uh, one of yours the other day just to get a sense for how you're doing it. You, so you pull up Ecamm Live. And yeah, so I have, and that allows you to be like a kind of a TV producer. Yes. And it's, I'm not a hundred percent used to all the tools that you can do, but they do have a little sound effects board. So you can have a little audience cheer or a chime if you want to get cute. And then, and you could add all the sound effects that you want in there. But the really cool part is I used to do these live streams where it's just a webcam. You're just talking the whole time. But Ecamm Live allows you to play clips. So I've been chopping up some of my long interviews, like this interview, Dan. We will chop it up into three to 10-minute f- segments or so. Right. Because a lot of people don't want to watch us talk for one hour. So they, they'll just get the three-minute segment. So I'll download those segments and then play them. And that gives me a time to go go to the bathroom, go grab, grab a drink of water or something like that. And I could just run the, run the clip and then go do something else. So just a little bit more production value. And yeah, like you said, you're kind of like a a producer just like playing the clip uh, and running it a little bit uh, tighter because before it it was a little bit rough. Right. So, and and I was going to say, you know, you guys have done a pretty good job and you have a good set of folks in the chat, a lot of DC people in there. I encourage people to check it out. By the way, I'm in there probably about once a week or so watching, watching you guys record live and, um, watching us fall all over ourselves. You never know what's going to happen, man. <laughs> you, you don't, have you had any mishaps so far or everything's good? I don't know. We messed up with the audio one time and I think the whole thing is a mishap right now, Doug. That's basically my opinion. I mean, it's just so ghetto. We're just doing it for fun, you yeah. know, just hanging out together and, uh, you know, I don't know. I agree. It's, it's, it's basically like these are, 
our friends coming by and talking a little shop and touching base with people that you know is sometimes um, maybe a little bit more comforting or engaging than just watching CNN or whatever. So that's kind of the idea. Very good. Well, Dan, where can people find you? TropicalMBA.com. That's where I hang out. Uh, Check it out and uh, give us a listen. Awesome. Yeah, one of my favorite shows. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks, Doug. Thanks again to Dan. And I encourage everyone to check out TMBA podcast, Tropical MBA podcast, and Dynamite Circle. I recently joined. I have been a fan and kind of on the fringes and realized that I was a lurker. And I actually have a lot of friends that are in the DC already. And I finally joined. I'm happy to be in that group. So solid, solid group of folks to say the least. And a couple other things I want to point out. There have been major changes to the Amazon Associate Program. There will probably be several episodes associated with that change to the commission rates. However, I want to let you know, and I'm not going to try and tell you all the different places you can go, but head over to YouTube. I've done a few live streams already, one with Jesse Lakes from Genius Link a couple solo ones myself, just talking about the changes and options that are out there. So there's a lot of coverage on it. And if you want to get the latest, definitely head over to YouTube and and check it out. Those are a lot of times the live streams just allow me to answer questions, obviously straight from the audience, which is really, really cool. And we can have a nice conversation, build community. Those have been hugely popular. So definitely check them out. And there's going to be more stuff on the horizon associated with the Amazon affiliate program. So I want to point all that stuff out. I think that's it. I think that's it for today. So I will catch you on the next episode. 